This is no disrespect to the SEC because it's a loaded conference this season. But with the way the schedule shakes out for the Wildcats, things look pretty manageable for UK. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, bringing on Andrew Stefaniak of WildcatsToday.com to discuss the 2023-24 schedule for UK, going to talk about the importance of the non-con slate. Some interesting thoughts from Andrew on what some of these lesser games mean for the Wildcats. Also, the SEC slate and what it means for the Wildcats. We both agree, because of the way that it shakes out, things are manageable for UK. Going to dive into why these individual matchups may be manageable because of where they shake out later on in the show. Also, EKU versus Kentucky. What are some things that the Wildcats need to do better uh, tomorrow against uh, EKU? Going to dive into that on today's show as well. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Your first purchase. If you've not subscribed to the show already, guys, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast or on YouTube, either works here. Thank you so much either way. Without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Andrew Stefaniak. We are now excited to be joined once again by Andrew Stefaniak of Wildcats today. Andrew, we've got a new schedule to take a look at. I, I took a dive into this one on yesterday's episode, but I wanted to bring you on Get your thoughts on this schedule. Also going to talk on today's episode with you about what Kentucky football needs to do better tomorrow in their second game of the season against EKU. But again, I want to start here with their schedule. You and I were talking beforehand uh, about this uh, this non-con and this SEC slate and how we've got maybe some interesting opinions on what the Wildcats could be dealing with this upcoming season before we dive into this non-conference slate, I just wanted to start there with you. Um, just kind of overall thoughts uh, about the Wildcats heading into this season with this new SEC slate. Final year uh, before Texas and Oklahoma joined the league. Are there, is, there any, is there any major takeaway you have here um, from the Wildcats and their upcoming schedule? You know, I think I know we're going to break it down to SEC and the non-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the first thing I want to say, just because I think it's exciting, is I love the way the SEC schedule shaped out. We knew the opponents, obviously, before yesterday, but we didn't know the dates that we'd be playing. Yep. And that's how you kind of get, you know, dealt a bad hand is when, okay, we, you know, we have a schedule. We, we have some home and aways that I like, and we, we – have some teams coming to our place and we don't have to go back that I like, but then you see it on paper and it's like, wow, we have to play Bama, then Tennessee, then Auburn, then Arkansas, four games in a row. That's a, you know, that's scary. And when you look at this conference schedule, there was really not all that intimidating of like a stretch on it. The one stretch that I talked about, and it has more to do with Kentucky's struggles against Florida, even though Florida really isn't all that great of a team right now, but mm -hmm. is this Arkansas um, and then 
Arkansas, Florida, then Tennessee right at the end of January, beginning of February. That's really the one stretch that intimidates me. And you could kind of argue well, you got Florida sandwiched in the middle, Florida at home in Rupp Arena. I don't I, I think that's even manageable there, but that's the real one tough stretch to me. So I feel pretty good about the SEC schedule. And then a little bit on the non-conference schedule, you have some solid quality opponents, which all that's going to do. You win some big games, it's going to help seeding when it gets to be in March. Yeah, and we're going to walk through the SEC slate here in just a little bit and kind of break down the entire thing to give you the full perspective on just how manageable this legitimately could be for Kentucky this upcoming season. And I said this on yesterday's show. I'm not sitting here saying that Kentucky's gonna gonna go undefeated this year. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that. Now I did say their ceiling's probably sitting around 28 and 3, 27 and 4. I I truly do believe that. Um, but this SEC slate, I think there are a lot of different areas in it where it's just like, okay, you respect the team. It's very difficult to win on the road in this league. But man, if Kentucky is as good as they could be, then we are probably going to see the Wildcats not struggle or and and I don't I'm not cruise through it um but have a maybe a little bit more manageable of a time than they did just a season ago the thing that i think really stands out to me immediately and this we were talking about this for for a week or so on the show is where the gonzaga game lies and i was just really intrigued to see gonzaga fall between vanderbilt and ole miss and obviously that that non-con game pulled to the middle of the sec slate um for what reasons I, i'm not quite sure i've not i've not read up on that but you know what that's just kind of is what it is with gonzaga uh, nice to have what should be a top 15 team just randomly smacked in the middle of your your conference schedule. And it gives you, I think, Andrew, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it gives you a sneak peek into what Kentucky could be in March because at that point you've gotten through, what, two-thirds of the season already. You're really starting to gel. You're starting to come together as a team, especially if you're all healthy, knock on wood, that everybody is for the Wildcats. But you're really starting to get the big picture uh, for what this, this John Calipari squad could be. And getting a team like Gonzaga, albeit at home, gives you an idea of what this Wildcats team may look like heading into March because I think that both of those teams are going to take that con or that game very seriously, especially considering the, the, the um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not the RPI, the, the, I guess the schedule, the resume boost, it, it could possibly be for both of them. Ken Palm, isn't that what it's called? Ken, Ken Palm. Palm. Yeah, you can throw you Ken Palm. You can toss out. <laughs> I remember back in March last year, whenever I was just covering a lot of different basketball stuff, there are just so many different metrics out there. But mm -hmm. Ken Palm is my, is my love. Yeah I, yeah. I love Ken Palm a lot. You know, I think that you talk about playing a team like Gonzaga. And the way I look at this, it's a good point you made, and I hadn't really thought about it until now, but the the Wildcats generally play their, you know, the North Carolinas and the Dukes and the Michigan States, you know, in the beginning of the season, the first few weeks. And then you get into SEC play. Now, historically, obviously, the SEC has gotten better and better over the years. I mean, to where you've got some good basketball teams in uh, Tennessee and Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas that you might you haven't seen throughout history in Kentucky's, you know, historic basketball, how they've been throughout the years. But I, so obviously you're still going to have to go play at Auburn and play Tennessee at their place with a home and home and away. The way I kind of, I sum this up, frankly, is like this. You're going to play your SEC opponents that you play every year. You know, these teams, you know, these coaches, you know, these environments, you know how they like to play. So once you get into, you know, the 2024, once you get into the next year, you don't get to play these kind of random teams. You're going to get to play Gonzaga when 
you kind of know your identity as a basketball team. And that's kind of what I was trying to get to, uh, you know, this whole time is you're going to get to play Gonzaga deep into the season, assuming you're healthy, you know who you are, you know, the type of team you are, you know, how you, how you like to win games. Do you like to shoot the ball? Do you like to drive the ball? Do you play? How do you play defense? You know, all that. And then you get to play a Gonzaga team, a, a potential team you could see in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the Sweet 16. You get to see them near the end of the season. I think that is a good thing for this Kentucky basketball team because it really sets you up to you know, see a team you might see in March in February and get you ready for, for March in, in the tournament. I think that's an exciting thing for this Kentucky basketball team that you just don't get to see often. I mean, the closest thing we've seen would be the um, – is it the what's the challenge the um the sec big 12 challenge and now they've moved on to the sec acc challenge yeah. which it's it's actually funny they're going to be playing that earlier in the year and mm -hmm. i'm not sure how i feel about that because like you said i love these games in the middle of the slate exactly but i think it, it, that i agree with you there but i think that is a it, it that's the most comparable thing you have is is the mm -hmm. big 12 sec challenge but i mean generally i mean gonzaga is going to be better than most teams you play there except for the texases and you know those teams of the world who are obviously joining the sec but you know i guess all in all I, i'm frankly i'm glad that game's not sandwiched between a tennessee and an arkansas like you said and I think this is a, just a good thing for Kentucky as it's going to let you play a, a potential Final Four Elite Eight team in February to see what you really got. I, I'm looking forward to that ball game. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what the Wildcats could look like in that one because, like you said, both these teams are probably going to be pretty polished as far as their brands of basketball they want to play, their styles they want to play this upcoming season. Really hoping that the Wildcats play with a, with more pace than they did a season ago because if, if, they, if they do, that could be a really fun uh, offensive game. So I want to take a dive here into this non-con slate. Let's go ahead and get into this. So like we were saying, Gonzaga, all the way on February 10th in the middle of the SEC schedule. But to start off the season, Andrew, you've got a couple of easy ones. You've got New Mexico State and Texas A&M Commerce on November 6th and 10th. And then your third game of the season, you've got Kansas and the United Center in Chicago. You've got a couple of really intriguing non-con games here. Kansas probably being the biggest of them all outside of Gonzaga later on on February 10th. Some early thoughts, Andrew, about maybe what the Wildcats could be looking for in that Kansas game. Obviously, it's a long time before we can get into matchups with the Jayhawks, but like, how do you see this Wildcats team panning out at the beginning of the year with their lack of experience? Well, I'll tell you, Lance, I think, first of all, I think you're kind of overlooking a game here. I mean, you got to remember who Kentucky plays after Kansas. Do you have the schedule pulled up? I do believe they play Stonehill, if I'm not mistaken, right? So, I mean, you can't be looking past that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's my first takeaway here. <laughs> uh, but, no, uh, all kidding aside, the Kansas game, you know, you get a rematch with Hunter Dickinson. Of course, you play him last year. Um, that game was in like was in London, wasn't it? When they played Michigan last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you play Hunter Dickinson last year. The Cats got the win there, mm -hmm. and now you know you you play him again. He was the big name in the transfer portal. Of course, he was actually um, his name was tied to Kentucky for a while when we didn't know what uh, Big O was going to do. And you know this is this is a big game. Obviously, in recent memory, you went and you beat um, you beat the 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 breaks off Kansas at their place in recent memory and. You know, I think that they're going to have a chip on their shoulder wanting to beat you. I mean, here's the deal. You're Kentucky. You There's a target on your back every game you go play. Now, Kansas is, of course, another blue blood like you are. But, you know, this is just a historic basketball game of two of the best programs in college basketball history. It's going to be a fun game. Of course, this one's being played in Chicago. 
Um, you know, you know, Kentucky's going to travel well. You know, Kansas will probably travel well. It's going to be a good ball game. And like I said, I mean, the same. Now you're going to be less polished than you are against Gonzaga. But I think this is a good game. I love these opportunities to see what you got. To see what you got early. It's like when Kentucky would play whatever that challenge was called in New York to start the year. You remember what what was that called? I'm blanking. Oh gosh, I can't remember. But you know what I'm talking about. Where the 14 Champions yes. Classic is that what it was yes. called? Yeah, it, it may Champions be the Classic. Champions Classic. You generally that was the first game of the year. If I remember, I remember you know because mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky played Duke with Zion Williamson yep. to open up their season a few years back, and um, I think. You know, that's your season opener. I like that you get to play New Mexico State and Texas A&M Commerce to kind of, you know, play a little bit, play together, get get your legs under you, play a few games, get shake the rust off, and then play Kansas. It's not a luxury Kentucky's had in some of these, you know, opener big-time games. But this is a big game, and I think Kentucky fans need to remember, whatever happens against Kansas, it, it, it isn't, it isn't going to really – it's going to matter for seeding. I mean, you want to win this game, but – it's early in the season. You want to see them go compete, but if they don't win this ball game, at the end of the day, all it is is getting you ready for March. So I hope to see the Cats compete well in this game and you know potentially win it. Take down uh, Kansas, Coach Self, Hunter Dickinson, good player. Um, but it's going to be a fun ball game, and I'm anxious to see how the Cats play. Yeah, this is the big one, and, and this is the one where I've continued to say exactly what you just said, is if you don't win this one, it's not going to be the end of the world, but – uh, if as far as as your resume goes, I think it's going to be important for the Wildcats to pick this one up early because of what Kansas could be. And there are a couple of other games here on this non-con slate, Andrew, that I think are very similar to this Kansas game in terms of, OK, if you can pick up this win, it'd be really nice uh, for your resume. And then also a couple of these games being at home uh, for the Wildcats, I think is really important. Uh, for UK to just just not fall flat on their face. Uh, obviously, after Kansas, you've got the uh, the powerhouse that is Stonehill, like you mentioned, and then you've got St. Joseph's. You've got Marshall, which I think is a sneaky good team despite losing some pieces from a season ago. Miami lost a couple of pieces from last year, but their starting five should be loaded coming in for the SEC-ACC Challenge on November 28th. UNC Wilmington is a team that I've continued to preach on the show not to overlook. They were a good basketball team a season ago. Penn on December 9th is also another team that was really good despite losing, I believe, their leading scorer, who was just an absolute bucket getter. So you've got Miami, you've got Penn, North Carolina following that Penn game on December 16th, and then you've got on the road at Louisville uh, to be kind of like the the last significant on-con game in Illinois State to wrap the slate up. Andrew, uh, Miami, Penn, North Carolina, Louisville, uh, these games here, what what kind of stands out here uh, to for these for these Wildcats in these matchups? You know, what stands out to me is some of these opponents, and it's a great point you made, but like Marshall is a good basketball team. UNC Wilmington is a good basketball team. You see them give SEC teams, Power 5 teams fits all the time. And I I like that. I like that, you know, obviously you got Miami, you got UNC, you got Kansas, you got Gonzaga on this non-conference schedule. But I like that you have some of these teams pin UNC Wilmington, Marshall, um, St. Joe's has been a, a fine basketball team, you know, throughout throughout the years. And I think that's a good thing because at the end of the day, you don't want to be playing the Stonehill every every day. And I only joke about Stonehill because I had never heard of Stonehill until I pulled up the schedule. But, you know, you don't want to be playing these teams that people really don't know much about. Right. You want to be playing – I'm talking about in the non-Power 5 teams. You want to play people that are going to test you, going to give you some – some confidence place go beat some good basketball teams. 
So I think playing Marshall and playing those things, it's a big deal. I think those are games, you know, people like we joke about Stonehill, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm kidding around, but like people right. write those games off because they're, you know, they're not Miami and North Carolina, but these are good ways to kind of play some teams. You know, these are teams, UNC Wilmington, Marshall, you know who that might be? The 16 or the 15 seed, you're playing to open up the March Madness tournament or the NCAA yep. tournament. So, you know, these are teams that I, I like playing teams like this because you're going to have to beat them in the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. I think that's a yep. good thing. But then when it comes to the Miami and the North Carolina games, once again, it's just it's another opportunity to take down a really good um, a really good basketball team. I mean, Coach Larnega over there at Miami, he's great. I like him a lot. And then, um, I mean, North Carolina, historic basketball program, just like Kentucky, a blue blood. These are opportunities to take down ranked teams, to build your resume before you get into the gauntlet that is SEC conference play. So I think it's a great non-conference schedule all around because you're getting tested once a week, once every couple of weeks. You're getting tested by a solid team. And all that's going to do is have you ready to rock and roll when it comes to March. Because here's the deal. You're playing a couple games a week against pretty good teams if you want to achieve the goal of winning a national championship. So this is an opportunity to kind of get practice for that, which to me is all the regular season should be. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that gauntlet, that SEC slate following this. Obviously, a lot of really good games, really good points there about what the 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 – I guess not as important matchups, you could say, quote unquote, uh, and what what their value is uh, for the Wildcats. Really, really good point there about what those could be for UK. But the SEC slate coming up immediately following that. I want to dive into that uh, briefly here with you and just kind of reiterate the point that you and I think that this is actually pretty manageable, all things considered, uh, given the way that it's laid out. I want to get into that in just a second. Before we do that, though. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Their hair growth supplements use physician-formed natural science-baked ingredients their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. You can go to Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, dot com slash men, and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Andrew Stefaniak hanging out on the show. Before we dive into this SEC slate for a brief moment here, Andrew, tell everybody where they can find your content, man. Yeah, of course. Like I say, I assume we're getting ready to talk about the Texas A&M matchup. I am the host of the Locked On Aggies podcast. So, you know, whenever Kentucky's getting ready to take on the Aggies, Head on over. Lance and I will obviously have a show then. And then the Wildcats today, Lance and I are over there writing on a day-to-day -day basis, bringing you stuff. We're bringing you football coverage, basketball coverage, and, of course, in-season basketball coverage will be coming up soon. So we're working hard over there. We'd appreciate it if you go check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Andrew, I've got a couple questions here, and we will talk about the Texas A&M Aggies if you'll allow me here for a second. Um, but the first question I want to ask you, I've got two about this SEC slate. So obviously you and I agree this this SEC schedule is more manageable 
uh, than, it, than it could have been. It could have been a lot more difficult for the Wildcats. The way that this is spaced out, and that's kind of what I want to focus on here real quick, the way that this is spaced out, it's not that you're playing teams that are bad. I want to be very clear for anybody out there that may be watching this, that may be clipping this for with uh, nefarious intent. We're not saying Kentucky's going to go undefeated. We're not saying Kentucky's just going to beat the brakes off of all these teams. What I'm saying here is that the way that these difficult opponents, quote-unquote difficult relative to the what the SEC set schedule could be, the way that they are spaced out, some of them being on the road, some of them not, a lot of them being in between matchups that are that are on paper easier, I think that it really does give you confidence for what is a very young group. Obviously, Kentucky brings back Antonio Reeves. They got Trey Mitchell. They've got a little bit experience of experience on this roster, but there's going to be a lot of growing pains, I think, especially on the road for the Wildcats this season. And to see games like Texas A&M be sandwiched between Missouri and Mississippi State, Arkansas between South Carolina and Florida, Auburn between Ole Miss and LSU, Bama between LSU and Mississippi State. I mean, albeit those games both being on the road for the Tigers and the Bulldogs. I mean, there are a couple of different stretches here, Andrew, where it's like you mentioned, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, and we'll get into this in just a second. But this does not concern me as much as it could have. So the question I want to ask you, Andrew, is kind of break it down from your perspective as to why this is not as dreadful as as some may think it is. You know... I look at this schedule and in a lot of what you just said, but it's the fact that you're more difficult SEC games. I mean, here's the deal, you know, no knock to any SEC team, but we know the teams that we, you and I at Lance both have the teams that we think are, are going to be top half of the SEC and then the teams that won't be. And mm-hmm. so like having the game sandwich, you open with Florida while it be on the road. I'm not crazy high on Florida, um, nor Missouri. And then Texas A&M, I think is going to be a good basketball team. Mississippi State, I know you know they've been a team that can kind of come out of nowhere and get you, but it's just like I think what I like about this schedule, and I'm sure we're going to run th- all through it, but it's just like this it, the way that everything is sandwiched. When I first saw it, like I told you, I mean, my immediate reaction was, wow, this is perfectly spread out for success for the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, playing back-to-back tough games – you know, playing, I mean, I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine if the Cats had a stretch of you go to Arkansas, you go to Auburn, and then you get Tennessee at home. You know, mm-hmm. like a stretch like that. That is a tough stretch for anybody. So the fact that you really don't have a stretch like that, like I said, the only stretch that was somewhat intimidating was that one at the end of February that was uh, uh, Arkansas, Florida, and Tennessee. That's really the only stretch that a little bit. And still, I mean, like I said, Florida, I'm not crazy high on. So Florida sandwiched between two tough teams. That's a great example right there. You got a good team, a team not so high on, and then another good team. And I think that's good to kind of, and I, you know what? I, this is a good point, and it kind of just came to me. I think it's going to help you not stack losses. You know, it's we talk about it being a gauntlet. You're going to drop a couple games in SEC play. You're not going to go undefeated. But we know we know that, and you're going to drop a couple games. You don't want to drop two or three in a row. That is when things start to spiral. You don't want things to spiral out of control. You want, okay, we dropped this game um, at Bud Walton, Arkansas. You know, darn good team, tough, tough environment. Then you beat Florida. You're, you're you know, you're you're off the, you're off the losing, the losing trend right there immediately. That's a big deal because losing streaks, you know, get in in these young players' heads. Losing streaks, are, losing streaks are tough on players, 
and you you don't want to see you know a one spiral. So I think the way that this schedule is mixed and matched with these games, the tougher games kind of being sandwiched with with not more difficult games is huge for Kentucky. And I think it's going to lead to their 50th, I found this stat out, 50th regular season SEC title in college hoops. I think you can see it this season. Okay. All right. I didn't know that it was right at 50 uh, for the Wildcats. So really interesting point there about not stacking losses uh, for this for this young core. So I, I want to run through the schedule really quickly here, Andrew, and then I've got I've got one question for you about this slate that may allow us to kind of open this up for a second. So you start the slate with a road trip to Florida, Missouri at home after that, on the road at A&M, Mississippi State and Georgia at home, then road trips to South Carolina and Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee at home, on the road at Vanderbilt, Gonzaga and Ole Miss at home, obviously Gonzaga not an SEC game, but sandwiched right there in the middle of the, the slate. Auburn and LSU back-to-back road trips. If LSU was a little bit better, uh, the, the the stretch between Auburn, LSU, and Alabama, and Mississippi State on the road, for that matter, uh, would be difficult. But Bama uh, at home, Mississippi State on the road, like I just mentioned. Arkansas, Vanderbilt uh, in Rupp Arena, and then Tennessee, M. Thompson Bowling to end the season. The question I wanted to ask you, Andrew, and this will allow us to talk about the Aggies among a couple of other teams, is Outside of Kentucky, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, outside of Kentucky, who are the four best teams in your mind in the SEC this season? And you don't have to sit here and give me them in order. I just want you to give me an idea of some of the teams that Kentucky really needs to be aware of on this slate. And I think the Aggies are obviously one of them. Yeah, I think Texas A&M is one. I think Arkansas is one because here's the deal, Lance. If you ever decide to enter the transfer portal, Coach Musselman will reach out to you because he reaches out to everybody in the transfer portal, and that is why they are so quick to reload after losing some players. But um, I love the joke about that every opportunity that I get. So AM, Arkansas, Auburn, and Bama are, are they up there. And then it's like, come on, let me do five and throw Tennessee in there. I mean, it's like All four. Right. If it was five, it would be those five. AM, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, and what's the team I already just forgot that I said a minute ago? And I'm blanking on. Tennessee, oh, I, <laughs> I know Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, A and M, oh, and Arkansas, and Arkansas. Those are the five what teams. Just, what just happened? I just completely checked out on Arkansas. We had a 15 seconds conversation about Arkansas that we completely forgot about them. I know that's uh, that's hilarious. It's complete, but those would be how my five. Players if, come and go. If I had to cut one out and make it four, man, I think Alabama's a little bit overrated this year. Frankly, I like that. I think it's. I, I'd say it'd be Alabama. I, I, that would be the team. So that would leave it: Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, and Texas A&M. I think are the four teams that the Cats really need to watch out for. But still, don't sleep on Alabama. I would just have them a little bit behind those teams I just named: Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, and A&M. Unfortunately, are all four road games at some point that the Wildcats have to play. Obviously, yeah. the only game it's against A&M and Auburn that the Wildcats play are both on the road. Tennessee and Arkansas, uh, home and home for, for the Wildcats, if I'm not mistaken here. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a very tough slate uh, for the Wildcats, but I think that's a tough slate for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, like we were just saying a second ago, to put it in perspective, it's a lot easier than I think it, it, it really could be because of the way that it's spaced out. So if you have any thoughts on the way that this SEC schedule stacks up, if you've got any 
opinions on what the Wildcats are dealing with in the SEC this upcoming season. Maybe you maybe you disagree. Maybe you think that regardless, it's going to be a really tough out. Maybe you think teams like Missouri, teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss are going to be a lot more uncompetitive. I think that that's absolutely a possibility. But again, it's just so it's spaced out so well. So if you agree, disagree, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. Andrew, I'm going to keep you here for just a few more minutes. I want to dive into what Kentucky football needs to do better this Saturday against EKU. Less about the matchup, more about the improvements for the Wildcats. May not see a ton in this game, but I think it's always important to pay attention to some of the struggles that we may see early on in the season. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Let's say last minute. You want to get a ticket to the EKU game tomorrow? Well, you should not have to stress over that because Game Time is here to save you. They are the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all different kinds of events, not just sports. They've got music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all of the fun you'll have. You need to forget planning these things months in advance because Game Time has deals on tickets all the way right up to the day of the event. You can get flash deals for tickets on football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy those tickets in just a matter of seconds. Two taps on your phone and you're set. Tickets are also sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. You can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dahl. Andrew Stefaniak hanging out here with you. Stefaniak in his new clean uh, DK Metcalf uh, throwback Seattle Seahawks jersey. Absolutely loving it. Big fan of the Seahawks, too, by the way. I don't know where you stand on that, but uh, I'm a big fan of DK. I'm a big fan of the Seahawks. He won overall. me a fantasy championship, so oh, I'm a big well, fan of him forever. Oh, he, you are forever in, indebted to DK Metcalf. Exactly. So. Big, big, uh, big shout out to DK. All right. So the final questions I want to get to here on today's episode, Andrew, have to do with an article you actually wrote back on September 3rd, immediately following the Wildcats season opener against Ball State. 44 to 14 was the final score there. Kentucky covered. Um, but there were a couple different things that were concerning uh, in this game about the Wildcats and, and the way that they that the way that they won this one. You wrote about it in your Kentucky briefing about some things you expect Kentucky to improve on. Uh, I want to, instead of just asking you, eh, what what, do they, what should they improve on and just kind of ro rolling through, you had, uh, I believe, three different major points here uh, for the Wildcats. And I want to start here with what you started with, was with Devin Leary, cleaning it up. He, You said he, he still had nearly 250 yards against Ball State, but there were many mistakes, including a really bad interception. Take me through what you saw from Devin Leary on Saturday. Well, that interception, I've watched that play time and time again. I've watched it a whole bunch of times. And, I mean, it was just – it was a bad decision. And actually, ironically, if he would have gone elsewhere on the field, I think there was a big play there. It was a bad read. It was a bad decision. There was another throw. Of course, I was up at the press box. And I forget who the intended target was. It was a, a deep ball down the sideline. And the receiver had a couple steps on, on the corner. And 
leery, like he was going to turn – the receiver was turned in, looking like tor- turned toward the post, mm-hmm. and he threw it toward the pylon. Like five yards – and it was just it was just a really bad throw um, to, an, to an open receiver. It should have been a touchdown. Now, was it an easy throw to make? Of course not. But it just – it wasn't – you know, it was really – now, could there have been miscommunication? Of course. There could have been a lot of stuff going on there that we don't know about. But – I don't. I think Devin Leary. I think some. I've seen mixed mixed opinions on Leary's performance. Some people look at it and go, "Well, he had two fifty, and you know, he had a touchdown." Or um, and you know, so it's like, I just I didn't think it was clean, and I think there's stuff to clean up. You got to remember, Devin Leary's coming off that injury, and he hadn't played football in a while. You got to get the rust off a little bit. Yeah. And one nice thing about Kentucky's football schedule, and I, I think this is really a cool thing that not a lot of teams get to play. Now, some might not like it, but you play five pretty bad football teams to start your season. Of course, Ball State, now you host EKU, Akron, then your first two SEC games are Vandy and Florida. I know Vandy, of course, was able to beat Kentucky last year, but I I don't, you know, I don't think they win that game this year. In Florida, I mean, my goodness, they looked bad. Oh, yeah. Um, To where it's like you have a long time to get yourself ready to go for these real deal teams, to get yourself ready for the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world. You have a while to get ready for those football games. So I think that you need to just, against EKU, I want to see Leary clean it up. But, you know, let's say, what I want to see is steps in the right direction. If he doesn't fully clean it up, that's fine. Because here's the deal, you got three more games after it to get fully cleaned up. But I just want to see a better stat line, better throws, better decisions, and I'll be happy with with Leary's performance against EKU on Saturday. The second thing that you went to uh, for the Wildcats in, in an area that I think is going to be uh, probably sneakily uh, an issue for them this season if they don't clean it up is you want to see them have less penalties. Penalties were better in the second half, you said, but they need to be decreased. And something that you pointed out, and, and I think it's the big thing here, they'll kill you in SEC play. Seven penalties, 51 yards against Ball State. Uh, and not great to see the Wildcats uh, sloppy, but again, like you said about Devin Leary, I mean these things happen at the beginning of the season. You know, it's a great point. This, this is the time, and I'm going to keep I'm going to keep hammering the rust point. But I mean, it's same for the defense. You make mistakes, you jump off sides, you hold, you do lots of things that you have to get yourself, you know, kind of back into the game to not to to know not to make those mistakes. Yep. Um, actually, Trevin Wallace was talking about that at, at media yesterday. He was talking about the penalties. And seven, seven isn't a number that's like extremely alarming. You know, if it mm-hmm. was 11, we'd be, you know, we'd be really seven. Obviously, I'd like it decreased. It's not a terrible number, but a lot of them were more in the first half. And a lot of them were, you know, just not great penalties. You know, it wasn't like the guy was wide open on a deep route and you push him over, take the 15 yards you know, and on a PA, like they weren't smart penalties is what I'm getting at here. So I want to see that cleaned up. Trevin Wallace talked about that at media viewing on Wednesday, that that's something they've been talking about cleaning up the penalties. And I don't think it's going to be a concern going forward. I think it was last Saturday. I think it'll be cleaned up quickly. uh, The DC coach white said the same thing. I'm really not concerned about the penalties going forward, but you would love to see, you know, four penalties for 20, two yards, you know, against EKU instead of seven. And then, hey, against uh, Akron, maybe three, you know, you can decrease. Because like you said, when you're going to be playing the Bamas and the Georgias, if you're going to want to pull off the upset, 
you can't have boneheaded penalties. You have to make you have to be smart, not getting penalties. So clean it up now. So when you're playing those good football teams, you don't make those mistakes. Final thing here that you that you pointed out was the third down defense for the Wildcats. And to be honest with you, Andrew, until I got to my recap episode on Monday, uh, I was not aware uh, of just how just how uh, efficient Ball State ended up being on third down. Nine of 17. And the thing that really stood out to me on top of this was Ball State being 22 of 30 passing, uh, just getting things done when they needed to to continue drives. Uh, again, nine of 17, just not it's not what you want to see. And, you know, I have a lot of faith in Brad White. I have a lot of faith in this defense as a whole, this defensive line, I think will come together uh, this season. And they really did a good job of stopping the run in this game. But, like, take me through what you saw on third down from the Wildcats and what they need to change in order to to get some more stops and get off the field. I'll tell you. I, you know, the first thing I think you got to do here is credit Ball State. I mean, yep. they came. I thought they did a good job. I mean, you take away – Barry on's kickoff return touchdown, and you take away a couple defensive touchdowns. Though I know Kentucky got hoodooed out of another defensive touchdown, but I thought I was impressed with Ball State. I thought they held their own. Um, but on third downs, one thing I'll tell you: Ball State used three different quarterbacks. It might have been—I know for a fact it was three. They brought yeah. in the one um, who ran the ball a lot, and then you had your starter who threw it. I was not very impressed with him. And then they brought in the um, freshman—I forget his last name—but. Um, I, when we did our behind enemy lines, where I reached out to a ball state beat writer, he, th he told me like this freshman quarterback, watch out for him. He can sling it. And I was impressed with him and the quarterback who was running the ball. But like, I think that's what was so interesting about ball state was they had three quarterbacks who kind of like, did three different things. It, it's hard for a defense to kind of, you know, game plan for three quarterbacks. It's not yep. the easiest thing in the world. And, um, so I think that, that's the reason I think we're going to see the third down defense be better against EKU. I think EKU's got their quarterback. They know, you know, they know who their guy is, and and you're mm -hmm. not going to see quarterbacks switching in and out. So, I think that I think Kentucky got a little bit uh, dealt a bad hand just based on the fact that there was three quarterbacks mixing in and out doing different things, and you know they there was a couple they picked up some third downs on their with their legs. And Coach White said this at his media at the media viewing window the other day. He said that. It, he feels good about the routes they were picking up first downs on or mm -hmm. routes they had planned for and just didn't execute to the degree he would have liked, which okay. I like to hear that because what that makes me feel is like the game plan was there. It yeah. was just some mix ups, some, some miscommunications and it's just some, a couple bad plays. That's going to happen to start the season yep. when you're a corner and a safety, you know, you have to read these things. So it's good to hear that like the game plan correctly they they had they knew what routes they were running. They game planned the right way. Some stuff just didn't go right, and you're going to see that get cleaned up. So I think the third down defense is going to be much better against EKU on Saturday. EKU Kentucky facing off against each other on uh, September 9th tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time on time on ESPN Plus. Going to have a great game recap up for you on monday andrew again really appreciate you hopping on the show once more tell everybody where they can find your content where they can find your socials yeah tomorrow the uh big game fun one it's football time in the bluegrass so we'll i'll have all your coverage at wildcats today everything you need to know articles from the game post game stuff little wake up it's game day action so be ready to rock and roll on all that you can follow me on twitter at andrew stefaniak and then follow, you know, follow us on socials at Wildcats today. I mean, that, that's great. And we got a lot of, of fun football and basketball content coming to you there, both Lance and I. So go ahead and check that out for us.
Absolutely. Wildcatstoday.com, Andrew Stefaniak, and myself writing over there. Once more, Andrew, again, thank you so much for hopping on. All right, that was our conversation with Andrew Stefaniak. Again, make sure to go follow him on Twitter. Check out the Locked On Aggies podcast if you are so inclined to learn about another SEC school. He does great work over there. And as always, of course, wildcatstoday.com. He and I have been writing over there for a few weeks now, so please go ahead and check out his excellent football coverage and our basketball coverage as well. I write quite a bit over there myself. So again, wildcatstoday.com. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lansdahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Thank you.